episode 15 of the slow spin society podcast i am your usual co-host paul and as always i am with your other co-host fabian hello fabian hi everyone and today we have an amazing guest uh chris from squid bikes welcome chris how's it going thanks for, uh, for having me absolutely uh so today we'll talk with chris a little bit about squid bikes and everything revolving around it but if you want to hear more about long distances on a track bike, cycling shoes, and FSA wireless group sets, then you should listen to the pre-show. You can access the extended version at patreon.com slash podcast. but more on that later. Chris, most of the people who knows you know you are co-owner and part of uh, Squid Bikes, but can you introduce yourself a little bit for anyone who wouldn't know you? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, um, my name's Chris Namba. I, uh, have been one of the co-founders of Squid Bikes. We make now lots of different aluminum and steel bikes. Uh, all our aluminum bikes are made in, uh, Sacramento, California, and our steel bikes are made in Taiwan. We do mostly like off-road cycling. We're starting to do a little bit more on-road stuff. We actually have a, a road bike in the works now too. But yeah, uh, also do some uh, race mechanic stuff for the U.S. national team, uh, for cyclocross, and uh, dabble in some like weird co-branded cycling <laughs> art from time to time as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that's actually how I know you're from because I think we first met uh, via JP, who is like a common friend of uh, ours. But yeah, I think first time I saw you was probably at a race in Japan. Yeah, yeah, it probably would have been either the the Tokyo Cross, like on the the beach, like at the where the, or maybe maybe like Nobuyama or something, maybe. Yeah, I mean, but either 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 of yeah. them. Yeah. But yeah, uh, working as a mechanic for, uh, so the U.S. Uh, UCI cycling team. Uh, that would have been yeah that would have been for the we used to have a squid had a professional cycle cross team until 2019 uh-huh. uh, we basically suspended it because of covid unfortunately yeah but um yeah no the, the first the first uh few times i had been to japan where our uh to go with the our our cyclocross team to go race uh we used to go try and race in as many countries as we could so we'd go to australia japan china uh and then you know like normal european countries but <laughs> it's like the normal stuff yeah it's less it's less like interesting like being i mean it's still cool like belgian like belgian and dutch cyclocross is super cool but it's just like it's it's more interesting to see like weirder cyclocross scenes and see like the regional cyclocross that like japan and australia yeah. have yeah, I guess like in Belgium or in Netherlands, it must be like really super competitive, you know, like cyclocross is coming from our region. So we know what we're doing kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that the, the, the CX team it was suspended because of COVID, but is, do you think there are any plans to reassemble it in the future, perhaps? 
or um yeah we're we're like uh we're kind of taking this gap year to kind of reassess what our goals are because we we the founders of squid kind of we all met each other through um this like local grassroots program um and we used to put on free races uh every week and as we kind of started to focus on more of the the professional side of racing we kind of stopped having time and energy to like put into like the local scene and so that's one of the things for the next year we want to kind of refocus on trying to rebuild um more at home and like uh put put some energy and resources into helping uh develop some more regional and like bring more people into the sport yeah i think especially after like well i don't know when after is but after covid and everything there's lots of more there's lots more people in in the hobby looking to get started again yeah yeah and by foxing locally i mean you guys have uh i think like pole is like literally uh right next to you and oh yeah yeah white industry is not that far either yeah we uh the last couple years we've actually done a ride from our shop to um chica where paul is like we we go to the brewery um which is just past his shop but so we'll we ride by his shop every time and then ride out to this uh to this year nevada brewery um so we might try and do it again this year it's uh it's probably like uh you're starting to get too warm it's like already like we're in like today is like i think it's gonna be like 35 degrees oh my god Oh wow! So, uh, it's like, and the the whole ride out there is like totally flat and exposed. So there's like not much in the way of shade. So we usually do it like try and do it like first couple weeks of May, and it's already like middle of May now. So we're gonna we're running out of time. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Like California comes with only sun, nice weather, but it can also be too much sun. That time i mean yeah yet yeah, the wildfires and everything well, but... we're we're in the valley too so ah. it's like it's quite a bit like you, san francisco it's like the much more mild temperament um where but here it's like it gets really warm uh uh we'll get like in the summer there'll be days where like you just don't really want to be outside when the sun is out because it's it's just so damn hot yeah so the squid bikes correct me if i'm wrong but did it start with the cx team yeah um so we like uh the year before we found founded squid uh emily who's one of the like my one of my co-owners she was racing she'd been racing as a road pro and was starting to kind of cross over into being like a cyclocross racer and so she had kind of like started her own program and like uh, a bunch of like me and a couple of the other local people had like kind of worked with her to try and help. Like we were going traveling to races together and like um, trying to offer what support we could. And we were like kind of pooling what resources we had. And she had um, a, a different bike sponsor that first year and they like were supposed to paint custom bikes for her, but they, one of the bikes was like the totally wrong color and she wasn't very happy with the way they looked. And so we were trying to, we started talking about ways we could like kind of monetize the 
uh, publicity we were doing through the race team. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things was like, oh, we could do like have a bike company. So like you're actively promoting something that we could sell so that we have money to kind of put back into the race team. And so like at the beginning, like the company was kind of secondary to the race team. And so then we, uh, it was, the company was just like a thing because we needed bikes to have like these two racers on it. And so that we would have, like the idea was that like a chunk of every bike we sold went to like funding this race team. And then the race team kind of grew and grew and grew. And I, so did the, the company kind of independently of each other. And so now we're uh, very much like a, like, it's weird to say that this is like, it's like a real bike company and like, we don't really know. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, it is the, a real, real bike company now. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, in, in that sense, then the company was not really started to fill like a market gap because you saw potential in with track lacrosse. It was more to fulfill your own needs, but also sharing yeah. it with the local community. Yeah. And like, honestly, the, the entire time we've had the company, it's always been like all the bikes we've made have almost always just been to fill some like gap in not necessarily like what we think the market needs, but what we want to ride. Yeah. And that's like kind of how we've like went in on track lacrosse is cause we had been just converting our cyclocross bikes to fixed gear and then we're like, oh, we should make, like, a dedicated bike for this. And then um, same thing with, like, our, like, Cruiser BMX bike and then the the fixed crit bike that we made was because we, well, before, like, there stopped being red hooks. We were like, oh, we're, like, Sammy was still racing red hooks. And so we're like, oh, we'll, like, put, we'll make a bike for her. And, like, I just wanted, like, a nice, a really nice, like, fixed gear bike to ride like long distances with like two bottle cage. Like I had like a list of things I wanted yeah. for myself where I was like, <laughs> wanted like two bottle cages, tapered head tube and like things like that. And so then that's kind of like how all these bikes have more or less come together. It's just like out of the bikes that like either us or our friends want to ride. And then that's kind of always driven like the direction of the company. Yeah. It's yeah. nice to hear then it's, it's, I mean, since since then, it has really just grown organically, and it's really it's, it it has uh, spread outside of California as well. With you guys collaborating with uh, Brick Lane Bikes in London, and uh, yeah, and that's like the coolest flicks. That yeah. oh, I need someone, I need something for personal purposes. Let me just make a production out of that. And since. I mean, this is a like a bike company in the end now. Is there any like like any surprising difficulties that you faced with with squid bikes that you didn't expect from the whole bike industry or or business in general? Um, I mean, yeah, like just running like running a business in general is kind of like crazy. Uh I've I've got no like formal experience in like. I mean, I worked in tons of bike shops, but that's about it. Like, so it was like all of us kind of came into it as as like a hobby yeah. and then slowly kind of had to figure out, it's like, oh, okay, we have to like figure out how to like run this like a real business. We got to like get an accountant now because all of a sudden we're like actually making money and like have to like buy a building to like put stuff in and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Like all the logistical aspects. Yeah. Yeah. That's. It sounds it sounds like a lot of work in the end, even for something that is 
compared to like the big names, it's le- relatively like how do I say like smaller than yeah the big names, but still lots yeah. of work. Yeah, no, it's been nice. We've found like kind of this like in be we're like an in between size now where it's like we're like obviously like much smaller than like specialized or um, like Trek or anything like that, but we've kind of become a bit more established than yeah. like some of the the smaller like hand builders and stuff where we can like because we do all batch production so like our our quantities of frames is quite a bit higher um so yeah it's um it's been fun it's like i can't imagine like what else i would have been doing but i don't know I was, every once in a while i'm like i have no idea how i even ended up here <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh squid bikes got really really popular from the from everybody really uh was like the so easy because like track lacrosse got so big and the so easy released and it was the thing to have it still is the thing to have if you want to do cyclocross because big tire clearance affordable frame uh it's just something that is good and a lot of people want and the the entire side of just custom paint your thing I think it's just brilliant, you know, it's a brilliant idea. Um, how did you guys ended up with BLB? Um, so uh, BLB was one of the um, uh, like original partners with Spray Bike, um, which is the the spray paint that we we imported. We're, so we're the North American distributor for Spray Bike, um, and so. Uh, there's a pre-existing relationship between spray bike and BLB. Um, and we, when we wanted to do, um, like, uh, the so easy, um, spray bike kind of approached us, uh, wanting to basically turn it into like a collaboration product between the three brands. Um, and so it, it ended up working out really nicely because like, uh, BLB has all the connections in Taiwan and like we hadn't, we don't previously, we'd only ever made bikes in the U S. Um, and so it was like helped to like have someone help us like, kind of like work things out there. Oh, that's cool. Ah, so then it's first, ah, so that's, that's how it works because I was, I, I didn't I didn't really follow Squid since the very start, so I kind of assumed that you guys started with the so easy produced in Taiwan and then shifted to handmade in California, but it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Ah. So, uh, yeah, all our so far all our aluminum bikes. So we do like the cross bike, uh, mountain bike, the track bike, and then um, we've had like a BMX cruiser, and we've got like uh, those are all made uh here in Sacramento, and then um. We've got the so easy, and then we'll have these gravel frames coming from Taiwan in the next. They're they're supposed to be finished up this week and then shipping soon. So, but uh, it's like like everything else now, it's just Delayed, everything is yeah. moving so slow. Yeah, ah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, because I, I was looking at the aluminum ones, and it, it, I mean they command a higher price as well. But I think it's 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 really nice to have something that's produced, handmade in, in California right where like there's Paul and my industries and everything. It's, it's nice to have. And, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, cause you, you mentioned earlier that you're like squid bikes also planning on releasing a, a road bike. Is that, yep. is that also going to be uh, aluminum from, um, 
yeah, California or uh yeah. Um we're planning to do uh yeah, probably uh for sure aluminum. Uh we're we're talking about we've got potential other like factories in the US that we might work with. Um just because mm. our the we're doing a, a whole nother round of cross bikes. So our um the factory in Sacramento that we work really closely with is um really backed up. <laughs> and so there's another there's another welder uh, I know in Portland actually who um we're talking about doing a, um a couple rounds of bikes with them which will be cool. So well, yeah, I'll keep my eye out for that because that, I mean that that would be something really interesting to have, especially with the whole, um, yeah, spray bike, spray bike look. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, I mean that's been the next thing is like as I started like kind of a lot of it again back to like it's the bikes that we want because like we started doing these like really long distance rides. It's like oh you know like can do them on the track bike, but if it had like a road bike could ride like maybe even farther or faster like so. yeah um yeah so the fixed gear community has is has all of these di even smaller subcultures among it like fixed gear freestyle long distance velodrome and everything else track backing what for you what does like track lacrosse represent in the community uh yeah um i i, I it's track lacrosse is kind of like this weird uh like phenomenon that's kind of popped up as like the recent like i feel like fixed gear culture is like on another like um kind of climb again because like i kind of watched it uh ebb and flow like the first well i'm, I'm sure it happened before that but for my first time was like in like 2009 like when like fixed gears were like the super pop like it was the first time I had like seen fixed gear bikes be that popular before, um, but uh, it's been really interesting to see like these kind of regional track lacrosse groups pop up all over the world that are like almost only connected through like Instagram. It's like everyone uses the same hashtag, but then you can look and it's like oh there's a group in Scotland, there's these kids in Russia, there's like kids in like like korea uh australia everywhere like um and just like there's people all over the u.s doing it too um but it, it's i think what's really cool about it is there's like real really everything's really different wherever everyone's doing it so it's like very regional so like whatever like and it's the barrier to entry is really low so basically as long as you have a fixed gear bike and you can ride it around the track, then you can, hey, the, the bike is a track lacrosse bike. It's like, it doesn't have to be like, I mean, obviously like we made like a track lacrosse specific bike because we wanted like larger tire clearance and all those things. But like really any, any bike can, can do the job. It's just how willing you are to <laughs> push skinny tires. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of has that reputation of, just anything goes it's it less yeah anyone can do track lacrosse with anything it's just how difficult it might be yeah it's yeah. kind of it's kind of how cyclocross started people were like let's just take road bikes expensive one and throw them into the mud and race in that <laughs> and get drunk and <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't forget that part <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
That's nice to see. Um, yeah, so you mentioned like, yeah, the road bike, of course, is another addition to the lineup of um, squid bikes. But for example, with Aventon, so Aventon was long for a long time, like the, the, the affordable entry-level bike, uh, track bike, but now they switched completely to e-bikes, just e-bikes. Yeah. Is there, maybe in the long term, is there maybe any um, possibility of like an e-gravel bike or something or e-cyclocross bike from Squid Bikes? Uh, I mean, that's probably a really, that, not. Yeah, that's a, like a really, really, really <laughs> niche, niche thing yeah. as well. But We're just like, I mean, we're also... I mean, obviously things change, but yeah. we're all pretty uh, not into e-bikes. Like, mm. it's just like, I mean, it's cool for people um, who like, um, if that's that's what you're into, like, that's cool. It's just like not not yeah. really like our thing. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, if your production is for personal needs, then I, mean, I think like nobody in your team needs an e-bike no. at the moment. Yeah. So that that's that's been like the big thing is like oh that no like I I've not been overly stoked on like how hard it's being pushed in the industry like I think for like utilitarian uses like e-bikes are great like if yeah. you're replacing car trips with bicycles that's awesome but like people riding mountain bike trails on like what are now like electric motos Cause like what happens is like, at least on our local mountain bike trails, like they're not, you're not even supposed to ride an e-bike and people do it. But then you have these guys like on like a $12,000 bike <laughs> with like a Bluetooth speaker and like <laughs> full pads and shit, like riding way too fast. Like, and like a lot of the trails are like two direction. And so they're coming downhill and you're supposed to, when you're coming downhill, you're supposed to make way for people going uphill. And it's like, man, you're, you're just, ruining it man like you you can't like you're not supposed to be on an e-bike here you're not like adhering to like trail at, like etiquette and it, it's cool that like more people are getting access but at the same time it's like if you can't follow the rules then it's like uh i don't yeah. know <laughs> especially e-bikes be becoming like more and more powerful like people go crazy speeds with e-bikes that have low mods on it uh it can get cra pretty crazy pretty fast yeah yeah and it's you people who don't haven't had to go through like the the growing pains of like learning how to ride bikes and so they they have like all of a sudden have this huge motor but no no experience in how to like drive the bike yeah and so yeah. then it's like it creates these really like uh dangerous like uh scenarios i think sometimes where it's like people can ride like way over their heads like yeah here in the netherlands their e-bikes are a massive thing and i mean it's like a double-edged sword right like e-bikes they allow people to be more mobile and independent and everything but at the same time like one of the most common accidents is from old people going too fast e-bikes not being able to control it and then they yeah they crash yeah so yeah it's it's really like something not to be underestimated in the end and the scooters Oh my god! Yeah, the scooters. <laughs> but yeah, in Paris too. Like uh, e-bikes are everywhere, and you can spot pretty easily someone that had an SUV for the last thirty years and just got onto an e-bike, but is still behaving the same way into Parisian traffic. 
It is like, <laughs> oh yeah, I can totally see where you come from. <laughs> because they're just like, you know, like flipping fingers everywhere <laughs> because they're so used to it. Yeah. And since they're on a bike, now they think they're like the king of the hill of bikes because it's like, I don't know, yeah, $1,200 e-bike. And yeah, it's it's <laughs> just, yeah, man, just go. Yeah, you will probably be better off with your SUV at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like, I never rode a bike when I was in Paris, but just seeing the traffic and seeing like all the scooters and stuff, like go like crazy, like through there. Cause I was like, when I was there, it was tons. Of, you guys still have all like the, um, the gig scooters, like yeah. the, with the phone app. Yeah, man. Yeah. That stuff's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Paris is pretty hectic sometimes, <laughs> especially like with like the, the, the nice days coming out, you know? Yeah, like more cool. and more people are are out and more and more people got into cycling in the last few years but it's people that never cycle uh in their entire life and now they're like oh yeah you know i'm just gonna buy a bike and do my thing and you know, bike lanes are i don't know like a long pavement of hell you know so you just take uh take the normal road and yeah don't don't think too much about it um, so now with, well, <laughs> more questions about squid, uh, squid bikes and like the future, but now that, uh, Brick Lane Bikes, which is based in London is out of the EU, is there any intention of having like a squid bikes dealer in, in the EU for the future? Um, so we actually, we do direct sale, ah, yes, um, yes. but, um, I guess Brick Lane is also moving, uh, to the Netherlands. <laughs> oh, what? Uh, what? I did, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, maybe they're going to stay like uh, they have like they're moving a, a distribution center to the Netherlands um, because of Brexit. Because yeah. um, like, I mean, the guy who I work with at BLB, he's he's Polish. So he's not he's not British. <laughs> and like <laughs> uh, and he would like I remember I was talking with him like when like Brexit was happening about, and he was trying to figure out like where he was going to basically move his office to. Yeah. Um, cause I think I, they do distribution like all over Europe. Um, it's like when I was in Barcelona, like one of the bike shops had like, it, it was like all this stuff was BLB stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's the so, easy option uh, here. Yeah. Because like, yeah. All those little anodized parts are, yeah. Like affordable stuff. BLB is real easy. Is really the easy option for Europe, because like right yeah. now, uh, before before Brexit and everything, I'm pretty sure yeah the the so easy was also the unpainted one was around like six six uh, six hundred sixty six euros or around that price, and that was affordable still. But now, if, for example, if I wanted to buy it and import it, I would have to pay another like hundred eighty two hundred bucks on top of that, which is yeah like a yeah a big barrier for many people, unfortunately. Yeah, no, they're they're continuing to still do distribution um, mm. in Europe. So uh, we're doing. We basically just sell uh, like painted ones to Europe. Um, we've done like some sales to some bike shops too. So like, um, there's like a shop in Hamburg who bought like three. Um, and uh, I'm trying to remember where the other one was. There is but a shop all... next to my place who bought three too. 
did they buy painted ones or no no uh, real, okay. uh, black ones yeah all the black ones i think just come from blb mm. um, oh. but we've been we've been shipping because like we have people like shops do custom orders through us and then we'll like um and it's it's for importing to like if we do like bulk it's not the shipping's not quite so bad um because we can usually put like two frames in one one frame box sometimes as well. Hmm. Hmm. So like most of those people, they order, uh, I guess the the so easy, uh, the discrete cross, the fuck off Johnny, and the track wando being American made, U.S. made. I guess it's kind of a little bit harder to import them to the EU. I wanted to talk about the track wando for a second because I mean. Uh, it's also a figure-related podcast, and the track Wando is really a pure track bike. It has like tight clearance and aggressive geometry. Um, being uh, from cyclocross and then track lacrosse and then that BMX cruiser thing, the track Wando was something I was really not waiting for. I mean, I was really surprised that you guys um, sorted out a track bike that looks super good and is really like yeah that's, that's a good looking track bike but it's a real track bike do you do you want to um, talk a little bit uh on the process of of making that one uh yeah um so uh like i i did the geo bit like bit with the intention of it being raced for like fixed crits like specifically and like um i i mean i've i've ridden a lot of bikes now over the years so like and like uh i've always just kind of like been really into like geometry numbers and so like right off the bat like i had an idea of kind of like what um like i guess um the angles and stuff that i wanted for it um and then uh it was really more just like firming up details like for with with ventana on making the yoke because we like designed like a whole it, the yoke is very similar to the one we do on the cross bike but it's shrunk down for like smaller tires um and then uh like we wanted to do dropouts with replaceable plates and stuff um and so uh it was like just a little like little detail like little finishing details and stuff um, but the, we did a, we made like a prototype one out of steel first that, um, Sammy had raced at mission crit in like 2017, maybe 2018. Um, and so that was like the, we, we made the, the prototype first. Um, and then I like wrote it for a bit, um, just like around town to kind of get a feel for like how it was going to ride before we made like the, the run of 50. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it's only not, a run like, of 50. Yeah. We, we only did 50 for the, like we're going to do a fill in order probably. Uh -huh. Um, but it's like, it's, we weren't sure how much demand there was going to be for it. Oh, was part of it. Cause it's like, it's kind of a weird product. It's like, uh, there aren't a lot of like, with the exception of like Lowe's, there aren't a lot of like made in USA uh, track bikes anymore. Um, and I think uh, 
like mash has done a really good job at like kind of like the ac1 is so popular here too and so it's like obviously like it's not quite the same product um but uh they they have uh they they've got a lot of brand recognition in the US and like all over the world really so um we weren't sure how how much we're how much more of the market was going to be available for us but we've done like we've done pretty well on them they they've picked up um we we kind of didn't have a really good launch for them because right when we were about to launch was when covid happened like oh, started yeah. like the world started falling apart and so then we didn't have like a really we we usually have like a launch party where we like have a bunch of them like painted and have them on display and like do like a media rollout and we didn't do any of those things <laughs> it was just kind of like yeah. soft rollout and then like did a couple of photo shoots with like a couple local riders and that was it and then it was like uh my buddy and i like built some of the fr- like i think really the first two um and then started riding them and it was like oh man this bike is like really fun like it's like it's it's like the the best road bike i've ever had but it's a track bike like <laughs> yeah uh, and so uh i i think we've we've started to like we i think we've sold two now to europe uh one to netherlands the netherlands and one to germany and then um had like they've been kind of trickling all over the us we've done uh a few to a few like uh bike shops like king cog in brooklyn has ordered one uh golden saddle cyclery ordered one and so they're like starting to pick up a little bit of steam so it'll be i hope like they like kind of grow in popularity because like i'd like to see like more people riding like it's a really like good all-around bike like it's like having ridden like a ton of like njs bikes which are fun in their own right but it like it sucks to ride like one of those bikes for on the street over like over long distance because it's like you either have to use like bottle cage adapters or some kind of thing to figure out how to like carry water on the bike and stuff like that and so it's um and i mean it's been nice because it's still like uh the big thing i wanted was like some tire clearance because i run like 28s on like oh I have like this uh, San Ren show frame that like I squeeze 28s into because it's like I just refuse to like go back to any tires smaller <laughs> than 28s now. Um, but yeah, that was like the the rear has got room for 32s, and then if you run the disc the NV disc fork instead of the road fork, you can run 32 up front too. Yeah, is it is it still a young case San Ren show? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I'm so glad you're taking care of that. It's so cool. Yeah, so I got I got like a wound up fork for it, and it's, um, yeah, I, I ride that thing still like uh, a couple times a week. I really like that bike. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I can't find the picture right now, but I'll put that in the show notes. But I've seen a track wando a couple of couple of days maybe uh, before this show and they had like a wound up in the front and a wound up seat post also which is like super rare and oh that, i bet you that's the one at king kong because they put they put a wound up fork on it oh probably it looks so good man yeah that's a good looking bike yeah uh, but yeah it's a uh, i mean i don't see why the track wando wouldn't get traction pretty soon because it's a good looking bike and 
even if mash is extremely popular well they are out of stock on pretty much everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and it's it's nice to to also have something that is u.s made yeah um, definitely yeah it, i mean for for me at least it, it makes a difference yeah so, yeah last episode of the podcast we had an episode about terrible bike trends and since you've been in the bike well scene in the industry for a long time are there any bike trends that you hate with a passion or that you love with a passion? <laughs> huh. Besides e-bikes, um, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say I really love tubeless. I know it's like, it's been like, it's a very divisive thing. Like I run road tubeless uh, on everything. Hmm. Or even, even like, even my Taekwondo's got tubeless. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, I mean, some of it I understand it's a bit regional thing. Like, Cause here, like we have lots of like, uh, thorny plants. So like if I used to, I, I was a very early adopter for tubeless, but just purely because like you'd get like, uh, they have these plants called goat heads that like get in your tire and like, you would like think you'd pull them all out and you put a new tube in and there'd always still be like one left and like, you'd like air up the tube and immediately go back flat again. Um, oh. and so like, uh, tubeless has been like a huge game changer. <laughs> Uh, for me, uh, I'm trying to think of anything that I, I don't like, you know, I mean, it's been cool to see everything, like the whole industry kind of embrace more like artwork on things too. Like it seems like, obviously like, I feel like we were early on that trend of like trying to like make bikes and kits more colorful and stuff. And it seems like a lot of the industry is caught up to that which i think is super cool as well like just making things more interesting so like yeah bikes aren't so quite quite so boring just like black white and red all the time um, <laughs> yeah it's been very cool no more murdered out murdered out black bikes with deep carbon rims anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean those still look good but <laughs> yeah that's something we were talking about in in the last episode with fabian is uh now if in the peloton if you have like the last cannondale evo or the canyon uh, or i don't know what uh, you're not the cool guy anymore you're the cool guy if you have like the boutique bike with the custom paid on yeah yeah um have you guys seen the new uh, ef um jerseys the education first team yeah, yeah. I don't. I like the for their previous one way more. I like the the palace one was much. Better. Yeah, the palace uh, one was yeah. good. The, yeah, <laughs> that one I was like I was stoked on because I I generally am like not that into Rafa stuff like uh, I and I actually I should I I think Rafa stuff looks really good. Um, I think there's a a large chunk of the Rafa clientele that uh I think I just have to like uh deal with on a daily basis like <laughs> on the bike path where it's like uh we've got a lot of like older roadie yeah like masters riders who have like their 10k s works and their like head to toe black rafa kit and then they like just go like because we have like this long continuous bike path um but it's a shared use path so like you do there's like kids right little, little kids riding on the bike there's people jogging and stuff and they'll go like way too fast like weaving between kids and like women pushing strollers and stuff he's just like what the hell it's like it's not just 
like Rafa wearing guys, but it's like generally like if someone's like it's like the the high percentage of like the the guy who takes himself way too serious is like yeah. a lot of times is also wearing a Rafa kit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, that that Palace collab kit was so good, and then I felt like the the new one for the the Giro is fell a little bit short for me. Yeah. It's it's funny how they they went from what they called the the least compliant jerseys to the most compliant jersey, and yeah. because of like that UCI backlash they had. I mean, it's not even a backlash because like UCI fine, right? is is making their own their own backlash basically. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's like that was great marketing for them. Like yeah. they all yeah. acted like they were upset about getting the fine, but like. That that was that that was better marketing for them than like probably any of the results from the from the Giro that year is because it was like they got they got all that free marketing just from having like the crazy kit and then getting uh the getting the the fines levied against them for not having a compliant kit. Yeah. So if you look into the detail of the New Jersey, you can see like little details like obey or some math <laughs> equations, <laughs> UCI rules and all that stuff. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, it definitely falls short a little bit of, of last year's one. That was just, the duck was killer. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. But then some of it, I was wondering how much of that w was why that was so good is because it was with Palace. Cause it's like, the you had, what? Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's they they that the aesthetic overall of like that skate company is going to be like i think in general a lot cooler than like what the average design that rafa has yeah and so like I, I don't know how much of the the design on that was uh done by rafa versus palace um but yeah that, I, I had never like i don't know that we'll ever see anything again like that either and it's like without that, that it's been a while since I've wanted to buy like a protein kit, and I was like, okay, if I could have found one, I probably would have bought it. Yeah, they they had to sell, and and basically all went really fast, like supreme yeah. stuff. Yes, like supreme but stuff. But Dallas, yeah. they really have their hands everywhere. I mean, they they recently had a collab, uh, was a shoe brand too, like sports shoe. I don't remember. It was not Nike or Adidas. It was something else, but. And if you go on the website and you look at the, I don't know, like the 2020 collection, you have like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like items, t-shirts, hoodies, vests. They are like their collection every year is so big. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, they make a lot of stuff. Like the the Palace, the Palace collab was really nice, but then you have brands like Supreme, for example, and they just... Half the time they just put their branding on on anything and then they call it Supreme Collab. I, I read yeah. this. Yeah. I read this article that they wanted to have a collaboration with Birkenstock, like the slippers, but Birkenstock basically told them to fuck off because they knew they were doing all the work, <laughs> and Supreme would just put, <laughs> slap their logo on top and sell it for three times MSRP. And yep. like yeah, I I can understand that as well. I mean, like, Supreme had the bike jersey I think in two thousand nineteen, and that was also kind of like selling out everywhere but it was it's not as nice as the the palace one or anything like that yeah well, they had like helmets too yeah like the like uh, mountain bike helmets i think right 
Yeah. Yeah, and they had like the crypto lock too at some yeah. point. Oh yeah, yeah. The crowbar, fire extinguisher. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, they had everything. <laughs> yeah. The, the supreme brick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, at, at this shop, we had we had the the floor pump. That was, was a pretty that? nice item, though. It was like yeah. CNC machine aluminum, and yeah, it was cool. Okay, that's pretty useful then. But uh, I'm wondering the like the influence of like bike brand, uh, sorry, uh, skate brands like this or like streetwear on cycling, because it seems like those two worlds are so far apart. Like on the one side, you have like the 20 year old dude that just skates as a passion and as his everyday hobby, and on the other side, you have like the 40 year old doctor that has like a Trek, Madone, and yeah something that is way super expensive how do people like connect those two worlds you know i mean yeah it, it seems like they, they're really like um they cannot be reconciled with each other but like even now lots of people even those that cycle like big like beginner cyclists they don't like having to not having to wear but they wouldn't wear uh, bib shorts because they think it looks funny you know like oh i'm not gonna wear um what's the word they use for the material not latex. latex latex yeah lycra 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 oh. like they oh i'm not gonna wear lycra you know like making fun of the whole cycling outfit even though it's there's a good purpose for wearing all of that so yeah it's kind of strange that there are these hypebeast streetwear brands trying to like tap into that area a tiny bit because i mean there's i haven't seen the palace or supreme bib shorts yet for for sale uh like publicly nope. but yeah the jersey i guess is more it's more easily to be sold. Probably, yeah. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you raced... One of your goals with your CX team was to race in as many countries as possible. And I assume you also kind of like explored the city a bit at, at, before and after the races. Um, is there any cycling experience that really stood out to you from one of these places? Um, yeah, like... Uh, I mean, it's been like, we've, we've got like kind of wild stories from a bunch of different places. Like, uh, going and racing in China has definitely been like, uh, one of the crazier experiences. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's, it's super cool. Like, uh, I don't know that I'd really like want to go do it without like, cause it's, it's the cool thing about that is like they, they cover everything. So they, they, they cover your flight. They like arrange for all your transportation. Um, you get like a stipend for like even going. Um, and it's just, but it, it's like so chaotic, even like with dealing, like putting you on the tour bus and stuff mm. and then shuttling you around. It's still just sheer chaos. Like one, the last time when we came <laughs> back, it was like they put us on the shuttle to drive back to the hotel uh, to the airport at like we were on they put us on the shuttle at like 11 p.m and then the driver had to stop at like 2 a.m like we're just like at a truck stop in the middle of china like because the drivers can't drive between like 2 and 3 a.m so the driver just like stopped for like an hour like pulled out a sleeping bag and like slept like in like oh, some shit. grass and we're just like, what the fuck? Like, because like we we were trying to figure out why they were making us get on the bus at like eleven. It's like, I looked like the airport's like not that far away. Like, we, but there's like a two hour forced break in the middle of the drive. So then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, 
Um, and then Beijing traffic is just Insane. crazy. So then there's like, we had to like account for that, but then ended up getting there. Uh, and then it was like, go from like a bus to a shuttle to like trying to get on the plane. And then you're arguing with like the, the counter agent about the price of your bike shipping and everything. And it's just like, at the end of a long race weekend, you're just like, oh, I just want to pull my hair out and be done with it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after um, a certain point, too much is too much. Yeah, but I do think, like, getting to explore cities by bicycle is, like, one of the best ways. Like, I like it so much better. I mean, like, uh, certain, certain places, like, obviously have really good public transport, so you can, like, get around using, like, the subways and things like that, but I prefer, like it's so nice when you go like with with a bicycle and so that was the nice thing with the cyclocross team is like everyone was on the same size bike so all three riders and myself as the mechanic we all rode the same size bike so like um i would always get to ride one of the like the b bikes or when we'd go like explore the city like after aces which was super cool that's cool yeah like yeah like you said with a bike you can see everything from a different perspective but, yeah. yeah you must have like so much experiences with shipping bikes uh by plane <laughs> yeah yeah there there was one year where emily kept because like in the u.s they um whenever the the travel security people open up your bike bag they put they have to put this like form in saying that like we inspected your uh, bag yeah, yeah. and oh, she yeah. had she kept them all from the year and there was just like this massive pile because like uh, in the U.S., like we most of the time, the races are so far apart. Like um, we have to fly between them. Uh, every once in a while, there's like a double weekend where you can like use a rental car to drive between them. But for all, most of the time, it's like uh, popping on fl- planes in and out. And so it's like uh, we counted like one of the packed in races because there was one one of the years we went from like Sacramento to Australia to um to china and then back and like in that that period of time how many times we had unpacked and packed the bikes and it was like eight times in like 14 days or something it was just like wild but um yeah yeah you get really fast at it because you're just doing it all the time yeah yeah Yeah. just 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 to say fuck the tsa in the u.s so much oh man yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh my god I like I got one of those um post and carry um bike bags that like fit under the TSA like so it's like I mean it helps that I'm small so like my bike is small too um so but it like it comes in under the uh they don't get the oversized baggage surcharge and so like so far I have like a 100% success ratio at flying with it and not getting charged. I just you just tell them it's artwork in there <laughs> and then they they charge you the normal bag fee. It's great. Oh dude, I did it once. I did it once. I told them it was artwork and the Japanese lady wanted to put it in a separate compartment and it was like twice more much more expensive because it was artwork. Oh, wow. So she's like, "No, yeah. oh, no, we we're going to take care of that, but really <laughs> good. So we're going to put it in a different compartment." And I was like, Oh, but you know, it's not that, you know, I don't want to pay. So you just put it into the normal stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that fancy of art. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's the unfortunate, unfortunate side of, of traveling with a bike, like abroad. But, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys use um like rigid cases? I want to. Uh no. For the team, we have uh these double bike bags. So there's a company in Salt Lake City that makes um it's called Pika or Pika, um and they're they're huge. Um, but they they can fit uh like two full bikes and an extra set of wheels. So like you can fit um three sets of wheels and and two bike frames in it. Um, and so usually like when we'd have two or three riders, we would have at least two bike bags. And then because cyclocross, you need lots of extra wheels. We'd have, we had a a wheel bag as well that had uh, an additional two sets of wheels in it. And so we'd have two giant bike bags and then a wheel bag. And then everyone has like a roller suitcase full of like, uh, kits and clothing and stuff. So you just be like wandering through the airport, dragging bags and bags of stuff. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, man, airports. It must be. It must be so freaking hard when you have to take like all all your stuff, all those bags through like the entire way through the terminal or something. Yeah, I feel your pain. It's <laughs> yeah. At least like no, that's the thing I like about like. Uh, all the Japanese airports is that they don't charge you for the the luggage carts. Yeah. Like the U.S., they charge you for you have to use the luggage. Like except for in some of the international terminals, all the domestic terminals, it's like uh, you have to pay to rent the the like the luggage cart, and so then it's like you end up just like I usually just try and like balance my toolbox on my roller bag while I'm like shoulder carrying like a wheel bag and then dragging like a, a bike bag <laughs> it's just like trying to like balance carry everything <laughs> wow yeah all right uh one then one last question chris um who would you like to see uh as our next guest on the show any anyone you you'd like to hear a story from yeah um i don't actually know him uh but uh <laughs> there's like a uh there's this kid in in germany who like he got a, he bought us so easy and he does all these cool like drone videos uh it's oh. like his handle is like fixed kirby yeah um, the breakless cycling crew or yeah something. yeah 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 oh um, yeah 100 those guys are those guys are pretty cool like the the con the videos they're putting out are just super rad yeah they're really really cool i'll link that to in the in the, in the show notes but yeah it's all like pov drone and they're following them into like crazy trails yeah it's yeah. Pretty the good. stuff they're doing in like the the warehouses and stuff too where he's like doing like like a fish and chips and then like the drone like flies through some like crazy window and shit like it's it's cool like both him and the drone pilot are great like this <laughs> they're both really good at what they do all right i guess this is pretty much it for today uh, everything we'll discuss today will be in the show notes on the blog, slowspinsidey.com. Uh, you can find us on our Discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes or by sending us an email at this address, slowspinpodcast at gmail.com and our personal Instagram account. So I go by at underscore Paul underscore you, uh, Fabian at fab.ism. Uh, Chris, do you want to give your personal Instagram in uh, the Squid Bikes one probably? Yeah, uh, the Squid Bikes is just at Squid Bikes, and then my personal one is at Namaka. All right. Uh, yeah, so this is where you can find Chris and uh, the 
the rest of the Squid Bike crew. Uh, give them a follow. Give them a like. It's, I mean, people that make so much for the community around them and for the culture. And yeah, I really invite you to to check their stuff out if you don't already know them. Uh, sharing the podcast with your friend is the easiest way to support the show by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. If you get value out of the show, why not consider value back in by visiting our Patreon page, patreon.com slash podcast to join the community. We're pledging at NLVL will grant you the pre and after show, which is around 40 minutes of extra content per week. We are now at 14 Patreons, bringing us even closer to our monthly goal and more privileges for every tiers. Thank you so much, everybody, for your support. The music for the show is Loveless Winter by Amaria, and the illustration is by at Jo on Instagram. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. And we'll see all of you guys next Monday. See ya. Bye.